0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at The River. Tonight I want to minister to you. I've entitled this message, Words That Stir. And I don't know about you, I I realize that there are some words that stir up anger within people. But I'm talking about words that stir faith, that stir an appetite and a hunger for God in your life we're going to learn tonight that without this hunger without an appetite for spiritual things there's just some things you're not going to be able to accomplish in the lord your faith won't take you to the place that you needed to go unless there is a burning desire for spiritual things in your life and i trust tonight that you want this or you wouldn't be here say amen, amen. now i'm going to be minister i want to read i want to give you one of my favorite stories It's in the Bible, it was two of Jesus' disciples, they didn't name them, but it was after the resurrection when Jesus had yet not revealed himself to everyone. And it says that they were on a road and Jesus came up and he had concealed himself somehow uh, where they couldn't identify it as Jesus. And in the story, they were whining and complaining about the fact that Jesus had been crucified. And Jesus begins to teach them in the word that the word spoke of the Messiah dying on the cross. And the Bible says that their hearts burned within them. Oh, I like, I love it when my heart burns like that. And uh, that that was the word being preached. God was stirring something inside of them. And then it says that they stopped up and were going to eat with Jesus. And then as soon as they broke bread, their eyes were open and Jesus vanished. I'm trusting tonight that some of us have been on that road where Lord, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand things have been happening. I've lost that zeal and that fire. And Lord, I need your word to stir me up again so that there's a deep hunger for spiritual things in my life so that I have that appetite spiritually for the things that will give me the healing, that'll give me the provision, that'll give me the protection, that'll give me the breakthroughs in my life. IT MAY BE A SIMPLE THING AS FINDING A SPOUSE. IT MAY BE AS SIMPLE AS FINDING A HOUSE YOU CAN AFFORD. GOD WANTS TO PARTNER WITH US TONIGHT AND MOVE THROUGH US IN A SUPERNATURAL WAY. WITHOUT A MIND, LOOK WITH ME OVER TO THE BOOK OF PSALMS CHAPTER 42. AND I WANT TO START WITH THIS BECAUSE DAVID IS A MAN AFTER GOD'S OWN HEART. I LOVE HOW HE MINISTERS to, TO THE LORD. AND I WANT YOU TO NOTICE WHAT IT SAYS. David's in a crisis. His son, because of bad parenting, uh, wanted to steal the kingdom from him. And so David's in a situation, he doesn't want to fight his son, but his son's trying to kill him, so he flees. And then he writes this psalm, he says this, as a deer pants for the streams of water, my soul pants for you, oh my God. My soul thirsts for you, God. For the living God, when can I go and meet with God? You wanted to go to church. Say amen. Now, in that particular verse, the word deer there is referring to a female deer, a, a doe, not a buck. And that's very significant because the doe was always more thirsty than the buck because the bucks have the big antlers and they sit down out in the fields and the wind blows through the antlers and it actually works like a radiator of a car cools the deer down, but the, the does are not like that. They get really, 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 really thirsty. They'll risk their lives to get a drink of a, at a lake even when they know there's hunters around say amen so david's using this illustration to tell us how he feels i hunger for god now if you look in the 11th verse put it up there if you would please you'll see that david was always in faith why my soul are you downcast why so disturbed within me Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. He was always in faith. Amen. And that's the key to staying stirred up. You got to be believing in faith for something that God has promised. If you believe in faith for something that God has promised, there is a natural stirring within you from the Holy Ghost that'll help you perceive and receive whatever it is that God has for you in your life, amen? He wants to partner, but you got to exercise faith in what God has promised. Now, to, to really show this to you, as a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, so an evangelist, well, usually when they go into a church, everybody's kind of prepped whatever, they're looking for miracles and all that, It's a little bit different in pastoring, though. you, You deal with people week in, week out. And sometimes people in the congregation are not hungry for God. It may be sports season. It may be vacation time. They're just not hungry. And when that occurs, it takes a lot of work in prayer to get revelation from heaven because there's not a draw from the people. But whenever there's a hunger, it is so easy to get revelation because it brings out the gift that God puts within you. To give you an example of this, you know, Jesus is in a crowd of people walking through, people are touching him because he's famous. And there's only one woman that gets healed that day and that is a woman that was in faith and she touched him and drew the power of God out of Jesus and was delivered and healed. Amen. Now this is very important. In fact, I, uh, years ago I had Keith Moore here. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a famous preacher uh, back south there. And uh, I remember he's preaching. to Everybody, it was a Sunday night, and he told him, he says, "The more hungry you are, the more you're going to get from me." And I didn't understand what he said it initially, but now I understand it completely, because hunger drive draws out the anointing within the preacher and makes the blessings of God more tangible, more acquirable. In fact, Jesus always preached with the intention of getting hungry people. That's why he taught him parables. See, a parable, you can't understand what it is unless you see God. A parable is not simple enough to understand it unless you seek God, meditate on it, pray about it, go talk to Jesus afterwards about the parable. he will never understand the parable, and so Jesus taught him parables so that the general crowd that really wasn't that hungry, it would separate them from those who were, and those who were, were got more revelation. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me so far? So hunger then is a direct result of believing in faith for something that God promises, whether your marriage should get better, whether you get your house paid off, whether you get the promotion that you desire, whether you have another kid, especially if the doctor says you can't have any more children, whether it is a physical issue that's been bothering you all your life, whatever it is, a hunger is created. By the individual who, by faith, will believe God for the impossible. And when I say impossible, I understand this. Uh, most Christians, they're kind of at this, this level. And I don't mean this to make anybody feel bad, but it's kind of like the, the preacher that read for the first time in Mark 11:23 23, that whosoever is under this mountain, be plucked and cast in the sea. First time he read that verse, and he's, he's got a church, and there's a big hillside next to the church, which is uh, eliminating parking in the church, and they need more parking. So he says, Lord, I'm going to pray, pray that this mountain be removed. And he prays in faith, and uh, next day someone knocks on the door with a construction helmet on and says, listen, I'm building houses down the street, and I, I'd like to buy the dirt that you have in the back, in the back there, that hill, and I'll come in, I'll, I'll move it with my dump trucks and give you money for it. And the preacher goes, praise God, God remove the mountain. But that was a natural way that God supernaturally met the need. What if there isn't a natural way to meet your need? That's what separates the girls from the boys and the boys from the girls. It separates someone with great faith, someone with little faith. That even when the doctors say there's no cure, you know Jesus can cure everything. You know, in the natural, a marriage can't be restored after what happened, but God says it could be restored. Amen? And that's what I'm talking about tonight, that that when there's a hunger for God, you're able to bring that out. You're able to pick up what you need for your miracle in your life. And it may, you know, and people may say you're a fanatic. But see, a fanatic isn't just someone that jumps around. It's someone that has a hunger for God. Hunger. You know, whether you dance up here or jump up and down is not the issue. The question is are you hungry for the word of God? So that you can do something that's impossible, so that God can be your partner, so that God can work through you and by you, so that your life can stand for something more in the natural, or not just in the natural, but in the supernatural, something that goes over into eternity. I think of the thousands of people that we have led to Christ in the church, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that lasts forever. When we get to heaven, we're going to have all these people come and say, oh, pastor, I remember that day you preached that message, and I got saved saved my life has changed I got my family saved you can't throw that away that's what God's called us to do to make a tent in the evil that is in this world and it's not going to happen if you don't stay hungry I said stay hungry turn to your turn to somebody and say I'm hungry hungry for spiritual truth spiritual things that will push you past those berries in your life, you know, there's an expression that says this, you can lead a a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's why the farmer brings out a salt block. Start licking that salt block, gets thirsty. I love pizza, but I get so thirsty after eating pizza. I shouldn't be talking about pizza because I haven't had dinner yet. But when you have faith in the promise of God, it creates a hunger for him. I remember sitting in divine healing school in the afternoon with a bunch of people in wheelchairs, sitting there listening to the message of healing, listening to verses on healing, because I was standing in faith for an allergy that I had all my life. I was taking two shots a week, and I needed a miracle. And God, and there was a, just a hunger. I need this miracle, Lord. I'm believing for it. And God healed me that's what he does amen now let me show you a principle Romans chapter 10 I know we could quote this but I want you to look at it tonight but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart notice his two places your mouth heart that is the word of faith which we are preaching now watch this but if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, watch this, resulting in salvation. In other words, let me say it to you this way. Ephesians 2.8 says this, that we are saved by grace through faith, through faith, and not of works lest any man should boast. In other words, we're not saved because we're water baptized. We're not saved because we keep the law. We're not saved because we do something. We are saved because we believed in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead after paying the price for our sins. And with our mouth, we confessed that. And our confession resulted in the new birth. Woo! I love the new birth because it changed me. I'm new dude. That's what happens when you believe and confess. But it's not limited just to eternal life. It works for healing. It works for brokenness. It works for depression. It works for anxiety. It works for anything that the devil has thrown on you to oppress you. But notice it's believing what you say that God did for us. In other words, I'm gonna believe it and I'm gonna say what I believe. And if I say what I believe, it will result in some form of salvation in my life. Amen. Am I the only one here that just had a problem? Am I the only one here that has had an issue? Now, let me show it to you in miracles in the Bible. The woman with the issue of blood was healed because she did what? She believed and she said. She believed and she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead because he believed that if Jesus laid his hands on his daughter, she would be healed. He told her, he says, I believe if you lay your hands on it, you'll be healed. And Jesus said, all right, that's good enough for me. Let's go. The miracle started because he said it and he believed what he said. The two blind men that came before Jesus, Jesus said, do you believe I I can do this? They said, we believe you can. And upon that, he touched them and they saw. So in all the examples, and there's much more, the person believed and said what they believed but believed what they said and it resulted in some type of manifestation i want to read to you a verse james chapter 1 verse 20 and i want you to notice this this is 26 this is the half-brother of jesus who lived with jesus his whole book deals with the power of words He said, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Well, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Isn't that pretty strong? I like James. He just cuts it right down to the the wire. I'm gonna make a statement to you, and I want you to write it down if you want to. The most important thing in your life above doing things is saying things it's more important to say the right thing than it is to do the right thing only because from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what we habitually say affects what we habitually do you know what I'm talking about you're on a diet hey I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. Praise God! You're excited, and then uh, you, you know the, you get the water retention, leave, and you lose five pounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until the week goes by, and all of a sudden you start gaining weight back. And then you know what you say? This isn't working. And then you say another things like this. It never works. And all that means is your diet is about over. In other words, all the actions, the count of the calories and all that stuff that you did is about done. If you would have said, no, I'm losing weight daily. I'm losing weight because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm losing weight because I can do all things through Christ in Christ Jesus. The action would have continued. It would have continued. It would have continued. It would have continued. But when you don't tighten the old lips, you know what they say, Loose lips sink ships. I like to say it this way loose lips sink your ship with treasure on it. Amen. So I want you to grasp that because James, who is fully aware of being a doer of the word, realizes it hinges on the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and, and you have to be very careful what you say, or you can undo some good actions that you started doing since you were saved. You quit getting stoned every weekend. You quit running around. Come on, don't, don't look at me like you're so holy. Come on. You started fixing things and living in a way pleasing to God. But you can lose it simply by saying, oh, I don't know if this Christianity is really is that great. I really think God wants me to be happy. So it's all right if I get a little high. And then you'll come to church on Sunday and feel terribly guilty. And I'll probably be praying for you that you get saved again when you're already saved. And it's a cycle that people go through because your mouth messed you up. Do you realize how powerful words are? Proverbs... 1821 says this, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Do you realize when he said that, he wasn't talking about just death like poverty, like sickness, like brokenness, like oppression, like fatigue, like anxiety. It goes farther than that. The death goes all the way to spiritual death. Just like when he said, Life and death, or death and life is in the power of the tongue. The life we just read, the life we just read is eternal life when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. You remember in Matthew's Gospels 12 12, Jesus made this statement. It's a remarkable statement. He's casting out devils, and the religious leaders are jealous because. He can make crowds and they're not getting in big crowds. So they hate Jesus. And it's one thing to hate him because it's affecting your success. It's something else what they do is really dangerous. They said, Well, he's doing that by the power of Satan. Bill Bulb Zabar. You know what Jesus tells them? He says, All sins against me will be forgiven. But blaspheme against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this life or in the life to come. In other words, what he's saying is the spiritual death that you could experience in this earth doesn't come from your actions. It comes from your words. You could say something blaspheming the Holy Ghost and never be forgiven it for it in the life to come. And what they call that in scripture is the second death. The first death is every child that's born into this planet is dead spiritually, right? We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God, then, but we have a lifetime to give our life to Christ, at least if he draws us, and we can change that. But the second death is when all the dead come before God and he judges them according to the works and if their names are not found in the Land's book of life, they're cast in the lake of fire. In other words, it's an eternal condemnation, not one here, but one that is forever and ever and ever and ever. Wow. Imagine these religious leaders. I, I pray that they were nervous when Jesus said that. I pray they had a fear of God. But What it does for me is it shows me the power of what we can say can deliver your body or put you in damnation forever. Just what comes out of your mouth. And a lot of these denominations need to wake up start blaspheming the Holy Spirit, fighting over people that pray in tongues and all that kind of stuff. You need be careful with that. You're messing with the Holy Spirit. I know there's fakes out there. I know there's people work on emotionalism, but you got to be really careful when you start telling that this person's doing this work by Satan. You could step into an area you don't wanna step into. Amen, I'm not preaching that tonight because I know all of you are sincere. You would be in church tonight unless you love Jesus, amen. That's for someone down the street. You can download, by the way, this message on your phone and send it to your neighbors or whatever. And those backsliders that you know, praise God, because we want everyone to get saved. Hallelujah, said hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, let me, show, let me share something with you here that'll really help you in this area. Satan cannot operate any kind of evil in this world unless he does it through a personality. He he is an illegal alien. He has no right on this earth at all. That's why in the Garden of Eden, when he tempted Adam and Eve, or Eve, should I say, uh, he came and he manifested himself in the body of a serpent who in those days walked for some reason. And uh, he used that animal or that serpent, whatever you wanna call it, to tempt Eve, because he has no legal right. In fact, there wouldn't be any evil in this world at all if there weren't people that were under the control of Satan. That's why in Acts ten thirty eight he says this, how Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost who went about healing the sick and all those oppressed by the devil you know what oppression is oppression by demonic spirits and sickness and disease is for one reason is to control you when someone has an addiction or someone has an illness their emotions control them the way they feel controls them. that's why Jesus sets people free from illness because he don't want you controlled by anything but him Amen? But demons will do that in people because Satan desires controlling people through addictions, through lust issues. And if he didn't have the vessel, he couldn't do what he do. does. So it's not like there's spiritual we're the gonna have any places. That spiritual we're gonna have any places have no power at all unless it went through the people. So it's our job to preach to the people about Jesus so that he can open the blinders up and reveal his will and purpose to them and we can begin to celebrate the victory of God in our lives. Amen, Amen. open up the blindness. So Satan, the whole scheme of his evil is all geared around people and if people would take seriously what they say and how they think, he would have no foothold in their life at all. I want you to imagine for a minute what the world's gonna be like when the church, the Bible says, is caught up in the air to be with the Lord. That could happen any time, right? No one knows the day or the hour. He could come tonight, who knows? I think there's some other things that have to happen, but who knows, I could be off. The reality is coming back. And if you're asleep, you miss the ride. If you're awake, you get taken up, hallelujah. But do you understand what's gonna happen when the rapture happens? Planes are gonna fall out of the sky because some of the pilots are Christian. Cars on the freeway are gonna crash into each other because some people in the cars are Christians. People in college campuses and colleges are gonna get hysterical. They're gonna break down. People are gonna jump out of windows because loved ones just disappear and all they see is a pile of clothes. The whole world is gonna collapse Within one moment, one day, this whole world's gonna fall apart. And people are gonna be completely undone. And that's why the Bible says at that point, there'll be a great falling away. In other words, falling away from believing in God. All the known religions will be done with. Be a great falling away. And there'll be one man that rises up. And this man isn't really, the Antichrist is really not going to be that bad for the first three and a half years. He's actually going to amaze the world how good of a, how he governs the world. It going to amaze him. But what happens three and a half years into it is terrifying. That's when the Antichrist is possessed by Lucifer himself. Do you know what that means? That means that Satan is going to possess the Antichrist, and the Antichrist at that point is going to demand that people worship him. And if you don't worship me, uh, you can't get food. And you don't take the sign of the boost, you can't get food. If you don't worship me, we're going to cut your head off. And that's going to last the last three and a half years. Why? Because the church is gone. We're not here to speak the word. And all hell is going to break loose until we come back. You know why there's so much dominion when the church returns? Because we return with Christ THE WHOLE BODY OF CHRIST, FROM THE OLD TESTAMENT, ALL OVER THE NEW TESTAMENT, GRANDPA AND GRANDMA AND GREAT GRANDMA, ALL THOSE THAT FOLLOWED JESUS, WILL BE RESURRECTED, THE DEAD WILL RISE UP, FIRST PRAISE GOD, AND WE ARE GOING TO COME BACK IN POWER, THE BIBLE SAID, THAT WITH THE BREATH OF HIS COMING, WHICH IS SPEAKING ABOUT GOD'S WORD, being spoken, he will be destroyed. He'll be cast into the lake of fire, or excuse me, the abyss, awaiting judgment later. Say amen, praise God. And, and that, that's the power that is gonna be displayed on this earth, but we right now, with our words, are able to restrain the evil one and set people free. Hallelujah. I'M SO EXCITED THAT I HAVE A REVELATION OF JESUS CHRIST THAT CAN BREAK EVERY ADDICTION, BREAK DEPRESSION, GIVE PEACE IN THE MIDDLE OF THE STORM, TRANSFORM LIVES, CREATE A FUTURE FOR YOUNG PEOPLE. HALLELUJAH. THAT'S WHAT THE POWER OF WHAT YOU SAY WORKS. YOU KNOW, WHEN I LOOK AT THIS AND I GET EXCITED ABOUT IT, I'M NOT SURE PEOPLE REALLY UNDERSTAND GOD IS YOUR PARTNER. HE WANTS TO WORK THROUGH YOU AND BY YOU TO DO WHAT IS IMPOSSIBLE IN THE NATURAL. YOU CAN'T DELIVER A PERSON WITH DEMON WITH PSYCHOLOGY. THERE'S SOME DISEASES YOU CAN'T CURE WITH MEDICINE. YOU NEED DIVINE HEALING to be free from it once and all. I know people can give you medicine, make you feel comfortable, but God came to set us free from all the little tentacles of the devil that would try to wreck relationships, try to wreck our children, try to shipwreck this and ship this, try to wreck our country. We need to stand up in Jesus' name and fight the good fight of faith and see God move in a great way. Amen? Now, let me give you something that really help you here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. This is something, a daily thing you got to do. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless, pure children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Boy, isn't that talking, is that talking about us today? Okay. Then you shall shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in or labor in vain. I want you to write this down. It's a very important statement. Complaining will neutralize your faith, complaining will cause your faith not to work because you're saying the opposite of what you said you believed. When you complain you're verbalizing your doubts and remember this about doubt doubt starts in the mind not the heart and when you verbalize your doubts in your mind it goes into your heart and when that happens your faith won't work are you catching it let me give you an example let's say that you just got a new job with any new job there's new challenges new people and sometimes there's people on the job that don't like you And there's a lot of conflicts that go with working, amen? But let's say that you've read in the Bible, do your work as unto the Lord. So you decide, Lord, uh, I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna do my job, even though I'm working for some weird people, I'm gonna do my job for you. And you got a good positive attitude, you're going to town, everything's great. And all of a sudden, the guy working with you makes your life miserable. The moment you start complaining is the moment God starts blessing whatever you do with your hand. In other words, he'll keep blessing you. He'll bless whatever you do as long as you're doing it under the Lord. But the moment you start complaining, it lifts the blessing. Joseph went from being a son, a free son, to a slave, and God blessed him as a slave, and he blessed him as a Prisoner in jail. Wherever he was at, he got blessed. Even though it went from bad to worse to terrible, he was being blessed and preserved as he went down there. Why? Because there's no record of him ever complaining. Boy, I tell you what, I need to hear this message myself. It's so easy to complain, isn't it? Or how about this? When you're at church and you say, well, "Honey, you know, we've been struggling with financially for a long, long time." I, What are we doing wrong? And the preacher tells you about tithing, shows you scripturally. Well, that's what's wrong. We're not tithing. so you start tithing. God starts blessing you, and then something happens. Your faith gets tested. The devil will always try to come in and test your faith. And all of a sudden, you get this shortage. And you say, I'm not sure this works. This ain't right. I don't know why this is happening at all. And what you're doing is you're nullifying the faith that you used when you first started tithing. What you gotta do is say, Lord, I just give you praise right now. Lord, I know this is only a test. And I thank you that your word is true, that you all come out of this thing. No matter what I'm going through, I'm more than a conqueror. Praise God. Greater is he that is in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You said you rebuke the devourer. Sure, it seems like it's getting worse. But Lord, I trust you and I give you praise because I counter all joy when I fall into trials. And then God turns it around. But if you don't complain, generally speaking, you got to go through the trial all over again. And again and again and again. Amen. Now let me go quickly with this, I'm running out of time. Jesus fought a lot about believing and speaking. He taught three different times in the gospels about mountain moving faith. Speaking to the mountain, believing what you say. One incident, he did it when his disciples were failed to cast out a devil. And he said, it's because of unbelief you couldn't do this. But if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say unto this mountain, plucked up, and so forth. Another time he cursed a fig tree because he spoke to it. And then he said, truly I say to you, whoever believes believes can speak to this mountain, be plucked up, cast sea, and it'll it'll obey. Another time was on forgiveness. So Jesus thought it was very, 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 very important. Now, let me show you what I mean. Put it up on the screen, if you would, Matthew account. This is the one with the demon. The disciples came, came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Now, watch the response. He replied, because you, you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say under the mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. Now, my question is this. What kind of unbelief was he addressing? The New American Standard says, Jesus says, because of unbelief. What kind of unbelief did the apostles have that they were not able to counsel the devil? There's different kinds of unbelief. What kind was it? It was the kind that said we can't. It was the kind of unbelief that comes from what you say. And that's why Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, I'm speaking of the New New American Standard Translation, you will, you will speak to this mountain be plucked up and cast the scene and it'll obey you. He said you will. So he says the solution to the problem is you got this kind of doubt that came because of what you said, but here's what you need to do. This is the kind of faith you need to move the mountain. It's the kind of faith that will speak to your problems, that will speak to that cancer, that will talk about it, not whine about it, but speak to it and command it to go. That's the kind of faith he says it takes to do this. The kind that will, will speak to it not whine about it speak to it the bible talks about strongholds in people's lives a stronghold is a a way of thinking reasoning that's in your mind that blocks you from believing a certain way that you think a certain way that you analyze things in your mind and it becomes a stronghold because you didn't cast down the thought You didn't cast down the vision of it. You didn't cast it down, so it dominates you. And Satan uses it to block your healing, to block your breakthrough, to block your blessing, to block it. It's a stronghold. Listen to what the Word says, a way to get around it. Put up on the screen, Psalms. This is what you need to do when you're under the gun and your mind's going crazy and you spoke to the mountain and all the doubt starts hitting your mind. Listen to what it says. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Watch this. Truly, he is my rock and salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Now, some of the other translations it says, to stay quiet. In other words, when the doubt hits your mind, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing when the doubt hits your mind. Don't say nothing. Don't say, don't speak out your fear. Don't speak out your anxiety. Don't speak out your worry. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. And when you do say something, speak in faith and say, I shall not be shaken. Amen. I shall not be shaken. And don't let that absorb your mind. Sometimes you just got to shut up, not say anything. For a preacher, that's hard. We talk way too much. Now, in closing, put this next verse up: Mark eleven twenty-three. I want to focus in on the last part of this verse. I know you know this but do you know it enough that you're getting results look at this truly i say unto you truly i tell you should i say if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea now watch this and does not doubt in, his, in their heart but believes that what they say will happen it will be done for them now watch the next verse verse 24. Therefore I tell you that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now go back to verse 23 again, I want you to see this. Look at the last part. And does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now catch this, I want you to see this. We have a service, we've got needs in the church, I feel led to do this. Come on forward, we're gonna pray. You come on forward, we pray, and we agree together that your marriage will be saved. We agree together that you'll get the job that you need. We agree together, whatever the petition is. And then you walk out of the building and you say to your wife or your friend, I sure hope that happens. I don't know how God's gonna do it, but it should be great if he does it. That's why it doesn't work. Because let me say it to you this way. How can you say that and believe what you said earlier? How can you say that and believe what you said earlier? How can you say that and believe what you said earlier? That's what he's talking about. That's why it attaches it to faith. Here's what a lot of people do. They, instead of getting strong in faith, they get strong in weakness. And they start talking to themselves. You know, I'm a no good. I'm no good. I continually screw up. I can't believe how stupid I am. I'm never going to amount to anything in my life. And they do this and do it 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 and do it. And then they wonder why they're weak they ought to do is start speaking to themselves what the Word says, that you can do all things through Christ, that you you have the power of God inside of you and that there's nothing out impossible when you believe. And you're not stupid. You have the mind of Christ. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the River, and we're doing life together.